From the rugged desert outside Yuma, Arizona, this is Outpost Outspoken. Outpost Outspoken is the official podcast of U.S. Army Yuma Proving Ground, which conducts natural environment testing of military equipment in Arizona, Alaska, and the tropics. Thanks so much for being here today. So to start out, what is geodesy? Well, geodesy by definition is the uh, determination of the size, shape, and the gravity potential of Mother Earth as it relates to uh, DOD um, applications. Uh, it's making measurements on the surface of the Earth and relating those to uh, uh, a coordinate reference frame both in horizontal and vertical control. Because when I got here, we were still, uh, GPS uh, wasn't on, uh, into its own yet. We were actually testing GPS back then. Now you can measure and locate where something is within one centimeter in real time, anywhere on YPG's range. Anywhere on YPG, yes. So we have 11 uh, geodetic reference stations. These are GPS systems, multi-constellation, collecting data 365 days a year. All that data uh, is pushed to our, uh, we have uh, a couple servers with some software, server software that is capturing all this data and generating and modeling the onosphere, troposphere. We have these receivers, what we call these rover receivers. And they're instance, they're a, it's a one-man surveying system, but anywhere that they have access to the repeaters, anywhere in YPG, they can generate a measurement within a second uh, through plus or minus a centimeter, anywhere in YPG. Why is it's, that important to the test mission? Because it's important with respect to providing uh, a some factor better than the system we're trying to evaluate. So we're always a factor of 10 better. Uh, we're much better, so in terms of um, a, a military-grade GPS system that, that is an encrypted system is going to be probably accurate within a couple of meters um, just by itself. Uh, it's access for navigation, uh, the projectiles, Excalibur, PGK, all the systems that, that guide the, uh, the wheel and track vehicles and that launch basically motor systems. Um, could be uh, towed systems, uh, the 777. But the projectiles themselves um, basically have these uh, GPS-guided IMU fuses, and they have access to the, the military-grade uh, GPS systems that are integrated into these systems. So why is it important? So we, um, um, we're, in some cases, we can split uh, centimeters. In some cases, in a static, we can provide millimeter-level accuracies across YPG. The technology gives us the ability to do something now, which the positional of all the cameras, optical tracking systems, radars that generate that performance data, that TISPI data, time-space position information of where that object is traveling through space. But we're doing it at a, at a, uh, at a factor better than what the system itself uh, can perform. So that's the ground truth data, and it comes down to ground truths. We're autonomous uh, systems nowadays. Uh, all the drone systems, all the systems have 
their own uh, position navigation and timing systems, okay? They're using the military-grade networks, you know, for the GPS constellation. They uh, have their own IMU systems, because IMU aids the GPS, because then the, the drones for targeting purposes are, are basically imaging Mother Earth ground through imaging or radar, and they're generating targeting information. So geodetics provides the precision uh, location of where that target is. The system then generates where it is in its uh, network in the military side, and basically we provide that performance and say, okay, where did it uh, detect uh, a target? What was the location of that target? And then within its network, kind of like with Project uh, Convergence, it uploads that information you know, to the network you know, to sensor the shooter so we provide that precision of where the endpoints are and everything in between. And all our systems, radars, uh, again, optical tracking systems, it kind of dictates uh, that level of control and mm -hmm. the precision and the standards. But technology has advanced us to, uh, to the point that we can generate these, uh, these high accurate relative positionings between points on, on YPG very quickly within a second, uh, second or two. Can you discuss a little bit how Geodesy enable us to support Project Convergence 20 and 21 so successfully? Basically, we were providing that ground truth, uh, basically of what is the ground truth of where everything was at that point in time. So we, uh, so it was, it was important to provide that, but the, we did it in such of a near real-time sense that we were able to provide that data and do it, uh, provide it on the fly. We still have to reduce data, capture tremendous amount of data in uh, GPS denied environments. How do we operate in GPS denied environments without uh, our GPS grade systems, our survey grade systems? So now we have to go back to a conventional sense, but now we have these, uh, these uh, uh, robotic systems, these total stations that basically can make measurements uh, as accurate as our GPS systems, in some cases more accurately as long as we have line of sight to the target. So we can still can provide basically the uh, information that the customers need without GPS. Luber and Evans, thanks so much for being here today. You're welcome. YPG's Heritage Center has wowed visitors with the amazing history of this post for more than 25 years. We spoke to curator Bill Heidner about the future of this gem of the Yuma community. Bill, thanks so much for being here with us today. Oh, it's my pleasure, Mark. So the future of the Heritage Center, can you say definitively that the Heritage Center is going to be open? Well, that's our plan. Um, it's changing, it's gonna go from a museum, it's being classified, it'll be classified as an unmanned heritage display, but it will remain in the Heritage Center uh, in fact, we're working right now to revamp and freshen up some of the exhibit galleries. Um, so in some regards, the visitor's experience might even improve. Um, but it should, it should remain open. Uh, that, that's the plan. That's what we're all working for. The Yuma community made a very valiant effort to help save the Heritage Center, too. Well, and I, and I think to a certain degree they were successful. They weren't as successful as we may have wanted, which was a fully manned museum like, like we had. Uh, but we went from, yes, you're being closed, to no, we're taking the Center Military History said, we're taking the term closing off out of our lexicon. We're not going to talk about closing anymore. Now it's being talked of in terms of a conversion. So we're converting it, we're making some changes with the intent that 
it will remain open. It'll remain in building S2. And as an unmanned display, I mean, you might go to five, open five days a week. I mean, we haven't ironed out all the exact details. And even if someone didn't come on post to see the actual physical museum, there's something they could see on Imperial Dam Road, right? Well, there's a, a collection, a great collection of armored vehicles and artillery pieces and everything's uh, adjacent to the visitor control center. It was kind of interesting that um, with, with all the flux of things open and out open, we were still a uh, TripAdvisor top 10% in the world destination. And when I looked at all of the, the comments, it was mostly about that outdoor display uh, that earned us another, another annual award by TripAdvisor as being in the top 10% of world uh, sites. So we're kind of proud of that. But yeah, that, that a lot of people really enjoy that outdoor display on Imperial Dam Road. MyPG has a very rich history, and the Heritage Center does a good job capturing that history. Well, so thank you. What are some of the things folks see when they visit the Heritage Center? Chronologically, we start with General Patton at the Desert Training Center, and we also talk about the bridge development that was going on at the Imperial Dam. And they kind of go chronologically through YPG's history, uh, and, then, and then more thematic towards, towards the other half of the museum. Um, to include tests of the 50s and 60s, a, a tribute to 9-11 uh, with uh, some stunning photography we got out of the Library of Congress. And then uh, one of my favorites is the 50th commemoration of the war in Vietnam, which we use renderings of what the Army calls Army art. These are paintings that are original, the originals are all in Fort Belvoir in Virginia under, you know, controlled, museum controlled situations. We were able to get good, high-resolution quality images and then reproduce those. But the neat thing of it is, Mark, these were all painted by soldiers. And it's a different way of looking. That's one of the comments we get from a lot of the families that come through. They say, you know, it's, it's just a different way of looking at the subject of Viet the Vietnam War. Everybody has different reactions. Uh, we have a really nice map out in the hallway that, that attracts a lot of the veterans. Um, family members that said, wow, that's looking at that map, that's the most he's ever talked to the family about Vietnam, which is kind of heart, heartwarming to hear. The most, the most common threat I get from our visitors is uh, I had no idea. One, they had no idea what the Yuma Proving Ground does, and we tell that story. They, they can come in one on, go to the other side, and by that time, they have a really good understanding of what the Proving Ground is and what we do for our nation. Um, and then the other thing is it's a u-shaped building and, and it's deceiving you look at it from the outside and it doesn't look that big and people you know they don't know quite what to expect and they think maybe it's small and by the time they get through they're like wow I had no idea this place was so big and it was so enjoyable um, which is also comments we really like to hear from the public earlier in this episode we talked to Ruben Hernandez about geodesy and of course the global positioning satellite has a lot to do with what he does, and Global Positioning Satellite was tested at Yuma Proving Ground starting in the 1970s, and the museum discusses that. Yeah, we discussed that, and uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful part of our history. We were involved in, in the development uh, through Block 1 and in, into Block 2 for about 20 years, from about 1972 to 1992. Um, and much of the initial development was done here, the testing, to get the results and the data they needed to one, prove to Congress it was going to work, and then two, really kind of flush out uh, 
the systems and the user equipment. We were responsible for initial navigation tests and testing the initial set of user equipment. Um, very successful program and uh, YPG had a, had, a, had a big part of that. Now if folks want to visit the Heritage Center, they should call first, right? Well, call, uh, and there's really, they have to call uh, the Heritage Center. Uh, my num number is 928-580-7633, but that's just part of it. Uh, unless they have a Department of Events ID card, they have to stop at the Visitor Control Center and, and go through the, a, a brief screening process, and then they're issued a pass. So I, I would suggest they call the VCC before, uh, if they want to get inside. And that'll just confirm that the, the pass, the, the, the visitor control center is, is open and they're ready to give passes to the general public who may want to come in. Uh, and they'll have to show proof of insurance and registration and uh, the driver's license. Uh, but that's also located at that outdoor display we were talking about. So, like I said, a lot of families, especially you know, kids love to run around that park. You know, it's kind of out in the desert and they feel free. And it's a great way to burn up some energy. Um, so yeah, a lot of people come out there and just go to that outdoor display. Bill, thanks for being here today. Thank you, Mark. This has been Outpost Outspoken. Thank you again for listening. We'll see you next time from the Army's busiest test center.